Okay, I think we are up and running. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I am your host, Sheena Rodriguez, uh, with the Secure the Border podcast. Thank you guys so much for, for, for listening in. I know it's been a little while since I have done a podcast or a broadcast. Um, obviously, I, I try to do these, these things every week or two, but it's just been very busy the last few weeks. Uh, and honestly, I'm thankful that I have because... Uh, have waited a little while because today I have a very important, actually very important two guests um, coming on today. They are the whistleblowers for Project Veritas that um, came from DHS and HHS. We're going to get into all those acronyms and what those mean. But for those of you guys who um, have followed me for a while, you know inherently why this is so personal to me and why this means so much to me. We're going to bring you a ton of information, not just information that is difficult to listen to and hear and digest, but hopefully information that's going to motivate you to do exactly what we always talk about here, take action, because it's not enough to know that something is going on. It's 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 all about those action items and how we can get active, engaged and involved uh, in taking power back, right, and holding our elected officials uh, accountable. So that's what this is all about. Um, thank you, guys. Please like and share, like and share. If you're tuning in, uh, we are currently going live at or will be going live. <laughs> We're recording it right now, but we'll be going live when this airs tonight um, on Facebook, Twitter, Getter, YouTube. Please like and share. If you are listening to this and watching this on our private Facebook page, Secure the Border page, guys, please remember that is a private page. So you're going to have to go to my personal Facebook page or the Alliance for Safe Texas Facebook page to share. But please help us break those algorithms, especially on Facebook. Like and share, like and share. Um, and I want to go ahead and just get right straight to it. And let's get started, shall we? Okay, so today I have with us today uh, Tara Rodas and Aaron Stevenson. Okay, there we go. All right, I'm bringing them on. Uh, Tara is one of the two whistleblowers that we have on. Uh, she is a former employee for over 19 years uh, with the Inspector of the Attorney's General's Office and also volunteered with HHS. You guys have hear, hear me talk about HHS and ORR so often, but if you're not aware, that is Health and Human Services, uh, and saw firsthand some of the issues that we're going to be discussing today. And then Aaron Stevenson is a veteran, served over 17 years, uh, also uh, with our federal agencies with DHS, and was an intelligence research specialist uh, for the U.S. Citizenship Immigration Services or also what I like to call just USCIS, because that's just so much easier. And also uh, with the, within the Department of Homeland Security or DHS. And so uh, thank you guys so much, Tara and Aaron. Thank you for everything that you guys do. And thank you for coming on today. I'd like for you guys to just kind of share a little bit of information about yourselves, if you can, so we can get started. Tara, do you want to go first? Sure, sure. So um this month, as a matter of fact, I will pass 20 years of federal service and I'm, you know, have started my career because I wanted to be able to help people. When I was in college, I had the privilege to intern 
for a United States senator and a United States congressman. And I saw that through government, people really can help. And so I decided to join federal service. And that's how I ended up volunteering to actually help. You may remember that in 2021, the Biden administration asked for help with the humanitarian crisis at the border. They needed help to place unaccompanied children or migrant children with sponsors here in the United States. And I volunteered to do that because I thought it was a family reunification program. And so I deployed, I actually live in Virginia, but uh, I deployed first to Texas, great state of Texas, yay, uh, for training. And then I deployed to the Pomona Fairplex Emergency Intake Site in Pomona, California. And that's how I have all the information that I'm gonna share with you tonight. And so thank you so much, Sheena, for having me on and, and, and telling the story of the children. Thank you so much, Tara. And yes, great state of Texas. We are uh, a very special and unique, and in, of course, in my opinion, uh, that is incredibly biased, the greatest state in the union. Uh, but Erin, thank you so much, Tara. Erin, do you wanna go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, yeah, so my name is Erin Stevenson. Um, I'm actually fired now as a federal employee and I'm here because I want to be. So I'll talk more uh, as far as my intro. Um, yeah, that's about it. We'll, we'll get it right into it. Let's just save time. All right. Well, let's do it. And yes, and I want to hear because again, I, I asked you guys to come on. Tara, I know I had reached out to you, um, I, I guess like a few weeks ago now was probably the first initiation of, of, of me reaching out to you because I noticed that you were on Twitter <laughs> and I saw both you and Aaron. Aaron was the very first whistleblower that I had seen on Project Veritas. Um, oh gosh, I can't even remember the very first date uh, when that first drop came out. Um, but it seems, it seems like forever ago. And at first it was, uh, under, uh, it was, uh, what do they call it? Like undercover, if you will, you, you did not reveal who you were. Um, but the information that you put out in that first drop with project Veritas, I was following along very closely. Uh, and the reason why too, was because for those who follow me and have been following me for a while, you guys know that I have been all over our, our border, particularly here in Texas, from the RGB, the Rio Grande Valley, through Laredo, Roma, La Jolla, um, up to, I spent a lot of time in the Del Rio sector and all that that encompasses, up to El Paso, and then also with our friend and colleague, Anthony Aguero, uh, and our friend Maria out there in Yuma, Arizona. So I've been on the front line and, and I've had a lot of interaction, particularly with these unaccompanied minors. And for a long time, people had heard me talking about the, the large influx of unaccompanied minors coming into the Roma and La Jolla area. And I have interviewed and spent time with a lot of these children. And, and a lot of the things that you, uh, Tara and Aaron brought forth was kind of an extension with what I had experienced when these children first crossed over. Like literally I watched them cross over from the hands of the coyotes and then asking them, you know, and, and, and spe speaking with them, spending time with them, 10 years old, you know, a 10 year old little girl coming from Guatemala who tells me her story of uh, the, the journey over here, but then also explains on how um, 
that she was told who her sponsor was going to be. And she had never even met them, but she was told that this was her uncle that uh, to ask for when she got here to the United States. And I have all of this stuff documented. Uh, and then knowing that was shortly after that was when Axios, of course, reported, I think they were one of the first ones early on in the Biden administration that reported that up to 40% of these unaccompanied minors, they just simply lost track of. Uh, but Aaron, and then, and then here we are fast track here, but Aaron and Tara were on in, in the inside, seeing the inner workings of what these children were telling me what was happening and, and what was going on. But then they were on the inside from the opposite side. Um, so, Aaron, with that very first drop, you had mentioned on how you had noticed um, in your position within DHS how uh, the criminal gang members like MS-13, MS-18 were applying to become uh, sponsors of these unaccompanied minors. Um, and so I was following along. So will you tell us, will you share with the audience right now a little, uh, some of your experience and what you discussed on that Project Veritas? You, you did two of them, um, Project mm -hmm. Veritas drops. Yeah. All right. So I will always do, of course, um, I'll spell it out, but I will drop into acronyms eventually. Um, so pardon my, you know, very government language, but this is the way it has to be delivered. So I worked on a mission um, called the Transnational Organized Crime Watch List or the TOC Watch List. And that's a separate watch list from what most people think of watch listing. Most people think about terrorism. So you've got an international terrorism one, then an international basically just like criminal one, right? And this activity is basically when a named organization who's, you know, they're part of the watch list. When they do crime in two different countries, one of them in the United States. So you can have you know, a gang in Mexico who does Operations America. That could be a talk organization. Well, these things, because it's like MS-13, 18th Street Gang, cartels, it's not just Mexico, of course. It's a lot of our southern you know, countries below us. So we call it the Northern Triangle, Guatemala, Honduras, Salvador. But it's you know, a lot of places. So this, this talk watch list had been enacted by... Um, President Obama back in like 20, I think it was the earliest, like 2014 with the, the things, but it really kind of went, became a pilot program by about 2015, 2016. And then it was very, very small. And we didn't really see a lot with it where I worked at called USCIS. Um, and that's because it was a very small watch list. So the population that was on it were like people that don't go to immigration for benefits, right? Because most international gangsters don't come to America and ask for a visa, go figure. However, when Trump came in, he added on, by him, I mean, him and his administration, added on those cartels. So MS-13, 18th Street Gang, um, Paisas, there are other, you know, other cartel networks out there that they put on the watch list, meaning aliens inside of that, those organizations are not going to get watch listed. And at this time, this thing was capped. So on the terrorism watch list, there is no like cap. There can be over a million identities on there. If they wanted to, they could add on 5 million. It's not like it's limited. But on the Transnational Organized Crime Watch list, it was capped by every 10,000. So initially, it was only to 10,000, and then 20,000, 30,000, et cetera. And um, when you put on these gangs, like the thing skyrocketed because there's so many criminals in those gangs that it's easy to find them. And that's when my work, USCIS, started to see a lot more of them because they do utilize our immigration system, which I'll get to in a second. And... So I've been working this thing for, again, about almost, you know, five years now when I started the first thing in 2021, which was February 2021. So Joe Biden's first full month in office is when I see this thing called in a, these encounters. 
Um, encounters come in as an email. It's an unclassified email. And it's basically literally an email of an alien who's on the talk watch list and how they were encountered. So not spilling the entire situation of everything, but you will see these encounters for things like being encountered by USCIS for an immigration benefit. They could be getting arrested. They could be getting deported. And there's other things too, but like those are some examples. And so these things come in all the time. Every day we would get about like maybe uh, 20 up at this point in time in 2021, about like 20 a day, maybe 25 a day. And for different reasons. Well, so in February, 2021, I see one pop in my inbox and it says for the reason for the encounter, six USC 279 USC sponsor. And I had no idea what that meant. So I didn't really pay attention to it until about a month later in March, 2021, I saw a second one. And I was like, all right, well, that's weird because I remember seeing this thing. So I searched at my inbox to compare all of the records because I had every single encounter going back to when this thing first started. And there was only one match from 2020. And that was from 2021 in February. So I was like, oh, that's a new thing. I wonder what this thing is. So I Googled it to find out what it was. And it's talking about unaccompanied children, which I didn't really know what that was because it's not, I never worked it before. So, so, so I'm sorry to enter. Hold on one second. So just to clarify, basically what you're saying is that you've had since the Obama administration, you were used to, to this kind of, to, to getting these typical types of email, right? E emails yep. um, with information, but prior to February, 2021, in your work experience, this was the first time, which was Correct. right after uh, Biden came in, that this had come across, that you began receiving these types of things, which was these individuals that were on this, this uh, un classified under the T, uh, TCO, right? Um, mm -hmm. That were applying to become sponsors of unaccompanied minors. So to be clear, yeah. prior to Biden at the Biden administration, you had not seen this before. Correct. So just to make sure okay. that's very clear, like we would see aliens or uh, these talk criminals, we'd see them walk up to like a USCIS, you know, oh, I'm trying to get my green card or, you know, I'm trying to get a work permit or fingerprints down because you're getting deported, things like that. Now we see these things come in and it says literally six USC 279 USC sponsor. So it's just like, again, it's the first time it's ever been happened before, which this is going over many, many years now. And it just stood out to me. So again, in March, I found the second one. And that's when I kind of confirmed it was the only two I've ever seen before. So by April, it's the third one. So that's three and three months, one per month. And then that usually kind of tells you, it's like, all right, this is looking like it could become a thing here. So um, since it was something that could be developing, I looked around because I was curious, well, who's who's working this information? Because my work doesn't look at the these UACs like that. So let's look around. So I looked up other parts of the DHS. I went to CBP, ICE, Border Patrol, and none of them and real quick, all these products. I'm so sorry. Real quick, oh, no. for those who are listening that may not understand, we're going to try to break down the acronyms a little bit. The UAC oh, is... The no, 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 you're good. That's why I'm just yeah. interjecting. Yeah, that's the Unaccompanied Alien Child. Tara, her program called it the UC program, which is same thing, Unaccompanied Alien Child. They just dropped the alien part because Joe Biden. Um, but so I looked around and again, it doesn't exist anywhere inside of other entities of uh, DHS. So Customs and Border Patrol, um, ICE, Immigration, Customs Enforcement, Border Patrol. And the way that works, by the way, is uh, Customs and Border Patrol, they kind of man the ports of entry in and out. They control those things. In between those ports is Border Patrol blocking to make sure no one comes in. If you get through and you shouldn't, that's where ICE takes care of you. Or if you're trying to get in legally or you're in legally trying to do stuff properly, that's where my work would come in. So that's how like immigration kind of works. 
and no one had written about it. So then I hit up DHS INA, uh, Intelligence Analysis, and they hadn't written about it. So I look at other parts of the Transnational Organized Crime Watch's community. So DOJ, FBI, the Terrorist Screening Center, none of these places have. And so by this point in time, it's like May now, I see another one come in. And it's like, okay, this is getting weird. And this is the real key part to understand here. So don't forget the time frame. I've never seen these things before, okay? So now keep in mind two important numbers. The first set of numbers are how many aliens are crossing the border every month. And it's about 250,000. The Biden administration lies, and they say it's much smaller than that. But when you have all, all encounters, as well as all the gotaways and all the ones that are caught on camera that are not marked as gotaways, it's about a quarter million per month. That's a lot of crossings. The talk watch list, though, is capped at this, at this point in time. It's capped at 40,000. So there's not more than 40,000 watches to people. There's over a quarter million going across a month. And yet I'm still seeing one a month, but every three and a half weeks or so of these dudes trying to get kids. So at this point in time, I was like, all right, I reach out to Project Veritas and I'm giving the information so that way they can do their investigation, start looking into it. And, you know, but everything I give them is unclassified. So it's, it's easy to corroborate. It's pretty quick stuff. And by the time I sat down to talk with them, um, there was a total of eight. And by the time they published it, there was a total of nine. And that came out in August 2021. Mm-hmm. So the amount of, we did a little formula and I was trying to think about like, okay, how many of these things are actually happening then? Of how many kids come across per month? How many total encounters per month? How many total everything per month? And I'm thinking it's like probably in like the, maybe up to 700 kids maybe get trafficked because this is just getting strange. And the other thing to important, that's important to remember too is who are the aliens trying to do this? So I had one that was a female. So it's not just dudes. They're not all just like South American, Central Americans. One was a Romanian dude with a Romanian group. And then on top of that, the gangs that were doing it from Central America, it's MS-13 and 18th Street, which means it's coming from El Salvador. These dudes were Guatemalan, they're Honduran. It's, so it's not like it's just there's one niche of the market here. So no, this is an activity now that it looks like it's getting across the board, everyone's doing. And that's what really kind of made my buzzer go off by being like, something is wrong here. This is a major problem. And the last thing before Tara takes over, because this is when her story kicks in, is when I, right before I sat down with Project Veritas for the interview, um, DHS, INA, Intelligence and Analysis, they are the actual component of DHS that's a member of the intelligence community. They had uh, printed off and distributed their, internally, of course, not like publicly, it's called a um, intelligence primer, or sorry, a collection primer. And this was solely about organized crime, okay? It's about 80 pages long. And I printed it out. I read through the entire thing. I also read it online so I can do some, you know, control find search stuff. And all I did was look for like, the words like trafficking, child, sponsor, unaccompanied child, UAC. I'm using all these terms, 6792, you know, everything. And it doesn't exist. So they don't even talk about it. So it's important to understand too. So I'm looking for information that hopefully someone's writing on, which nobody was. But the way intelligence works, it's not like we just go out there and think of problems. We operate top down. So the president says, I want to know about these activities or these countries or these activities in these countries. And then his department goes, okay, well, we can answer that question. And this one, we can t- cover that topic. And then they delegate it down further. So by the time it gets down to us, we're so low that it's like, okay, what are the indicators of warnings of, you know, exploitations and loopholes in the immigration system? And th- there's nothing going on for sex trafficking for organized crime. And it's like, well, we know what's going on. We know it's an activity and we're told not to look for it. So of course, no one in the government's looking for it. We're not told to. So that's August, 2021 and intro to Terra.
<laughs> yeah. So I, did you have any other questions, Sheena, before I, pick I up? There, there, there was something that I just want to point out to, to, to those who have again, followed me. Uh, Cause I have a feeling that tonight we're going to have a lot of new people uh, that probably haven't don't, don't know who I am and the work that I've done, but you just mentioned something earlier, Aaron, you said Romanians, you said yeah. the Romanian gangs. And I remember reading about that. And the reason why that's important uh, well, all of this is important, but I'm saying for those who, who know the work that I've done, uh, Anthony, uh, my friend and colleague with Border Network News, uh, and, and my brother from another mother and father, Anthony Aguero, um, and I actually uh, investigated and, try, and, and I wrote a few articles about Romanian um, trafficking cases, clusters, if you will, that are popping up all around Texas from El Paso. Mm -hmm. I posted, uh, trends that we saw right here. I'm in the DFW area, the Dallas Fort Worth area. And so when you said that again, this is why I'm so drawn to all of this, not just the information that you guys are putting out, but because me being on, I, I hate to use cliche words, the front line, um, but but also being aware and reporting on um, things like the Romanian clusters and why I tied that to the trafficking of and why they're so easy to exploit. Uh, I wrote articles in the Texas scorecard about this, this very thing that's popping up all around Texas. So that's the reason why I just wanted to in interject that there. No worries, because I actually have one more thing as well, and I should have included this. Sorry, Sarah, do you mind if I do this real quick? Oh, no, go right ahead. All right. So the other important thing to understand how this how this talk watch list works is the loophole that was created as well. So if you are this, you know, illegal alien who came in as these talk aliens are, and then they get deported or put in, you know, removal proceedings, if they make a claim that they'll be persecuted or harmed or tortured or, you know, you can't send me back to my home country, bad things will happen to me. What happens is that's the thing called defensive asylum. But before you get there, you have to do a screening process done by USCIS. It's called credible fear. It's also one called reasonable fear. It just, it, it's, it's the same thing. It means we're going to look at you to see if your claim is like a thing or not. And then if they say yes, which they do about 80% of the time, then it goes forward to the uh, asylum judge or to the immigration judge. And that may take years. But if you're on the stock watch list, and you say, don't send me back home because bad things will happen to me. You were then removed from the talk watch list, which means out of a list of 40,000, and it never hit that cap at the time I came public, dudes were dropping off all the time. So now again, when you think about it, if I'm only seeing one per month, and yet all these dudes are dropping off, and it's only up to this high anyways, and we know the encounters are way higher than that, the real number of trafficking is much, much higher than we understand. So yeah. important to understand because Tara's program was way higher than that. Any questions on and that? And I one? just want to Sheena. I, I know I, I, I remember and I'm just sharing the uh this exactly this was the article okay. that I had written about that. Um uh, exactly that, the Romanian. So um I'll make sure to post that in some of the comments afterwards as well so that people can read how what he's talking about is tying into to, to what like my my friend colleague and I have been talking about. Um, but with that right there, I remember that there was this shift and that was in the second drop that you did with Project Veritas as well, where you talked about the loophole. Uh, and I think that a lot of people who may not be familiar with some of the immigration stuff, I'm still I, I'm, I'm learning. I, I'm only know a lot more because from being out there on the ground and and being connected uh, and, and like immersed in this over the last three years now. <laughs> um, but, you know, 
when they had even announced in the last drop that you talked about with, with James O'Keefe, when they had even announced the shift that they were going to be sending down and changing the adjudication process and all of that, like that ties right into with what you're saying um, with, with that shift in the immigration policy that most people may not be able to really understand. And this is just another way that unfortunately the current administration is able to hide. Like you said, you have so many dropping off so many more being like, it's like this rotating, uh, cloud of <laughs> deceit. Honestly, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, so, so that they do make it very difficult to be able to even, uh, track any of this, um, any of this. Yeah. This, it's this completely, movement. it's completely uncontrolled. They have no idea what's going on and they have no idea the population that's coming in. That might sound bad and scary and it really is that bad and scary. Yeah. So. And people should be uh, infuriated by this. And, and, and again, from Tara, you saw uh, Aaron on project Veritas uh, with, when he came forth and yes. you were already, like you had said in the beginning, um, transitioning now to how you kind of fit into all of this and, um, you, you then you thought that you were were helping. They made out this call for help because we did have, I think it's well over, I think over 350,000 unaccompanied minors so far since fiscal year 2021 to current. Uh, I think it's close, get, getting close to almost 60,000 um, at this point, uh, just for fiscal year 2023 alone. Over 200,000 of these unaccompanied minors have crossed over and the state of Texas, because of course we do have the largest um, uh, stretch of, 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 of borderland, Southwest borderland. Uh, and, and I'm just going to put this into perspective. And for those who have heard me speak, uh, just in Tarrant County and Dallas County in the DFW, just the two counties, Tarrant and Dallas, I'm in Tarrant, we have had over 86,000, and this is according to HHS and ORR, which I uh, would wager in the spirit of our conversation here to believe that that is grossly underreported, but just according to them, their own stats over 8,600 um, unaccompanied minors have been released to sponsors here in Tarrant County in Dallas County alone since mm -hmm. fiscal year 2021. And so when you do the math and, and I want you guys to consider this, um, if you do the math and you're talking about one in three or four up to 40%, right. Of these unaccompanied minors, simply that they just lose track of, let's not even get into Houston. We're just talking DFW alone. Um, that is about over 3000. I'm not, math is not my best subject, but over 3000 of these kids right here in Tarrant and Dallas County, who very likely, if you're going at it from a statistical standpoint, could, we, we don't know who they were released to. Um, and we know that DFW and Houston go back and forth. They, they unfortunately try to fight for who's going to be the sex trafficking capital. Um, Houston, of course, is now number one. But this is why this is so unbelievable. One of the many reasons why this is so unbelievably important. But now, Tara, going back to this, Tara, you were in the inside believing that you were helping reunify the, the similar talking points. You thought you were helping to reunify these children with safe sponsors with their parents with their family um and so will you please go ahead and go into share your story of what you experienced being on the inside uh helping um with these unaccompanied minors with hhs sure sure so i think it's important to note that when i raised my hand to volunteer to go help with this mission i had no idea that one child had ever been 
trafficked through this program or harmed as a result of this program. Not a clue. So um, when I arrived at the Pomona Fairplex, which was in May of 2021, uh, I, I was there. My background is in education. So I thought I was going to be maybe helping the children learn English. So my husband is actually from El Salvador. So mi español no es perfecto, pero yo puedo hablar. And so I thought, you know, with, with I've been to Mexico. I've been to El Salvador and Guatemala. I thought, wow, I can really talk with the kids, you know, share about what their hopes are and their dreams are and help them feel comfortable. So in the beginning, I was just sitting at tables with them and drawing and coloring and doing puzzles. I was walking them to their medical appointments. We had medical staff. I was taking them to meals, things like that. And then it was um, at the end of May, they had an urgent need for help in case management. And anytime they needed somebody to volunteer for something, I always raised my hand. So I'm like, hey, I'm here, send me. So I was one of the 10 people chosen to work in case management. And I had only been in case management a couple of weeks when we had what I called suspicious sponsor activity. And what I mean by that is the stories that the children were saying versus what people in home country were saying. And then as the case managers were talking to the potential sponsor here in the United States, like the stories were not matching up. Sponsors, which is the person who's gonna take legal custody of the child, right? So HHS is giving, they have custody of the child given to them from um, CBP. So when the border patrol takes the children, they actually then trans, you know, they give them their paperwork, they give them their A number, and then they transfer custody to HHS. Then HHS transfers custody to what is supposed to be a safe sponsor here in the United States. Uh, but what I saw was it was kind of like speed over safety. We've got to move these kids, have to move these kids. And so um, I was witnessing like driver, they would send their ID and then they'd send the paperwork in and they're sending all this stuff by WhatsApp to the case manager who's actually working with the child and the IDs were not matching. And I'm like, well, why is that? We have to know where the child is going. And then after we learn the system more, and figured out, hey, we've got 40 kids in an apartment building in Austin, Texas. We have 300 children in like a two square mile in Houston, Texas. What's going on here? We've got this place, you know, we have hotspots all around the country where multiple children have gone to people. Now that doesn't make sense. How is it that a sponsor can sponsor 20 children? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. And then when you think about it, what child welfare organization anywhere is going to release a child to someone who they have never seen the home? They have no idea how many people are living in that home. They have they request no documentation to see if if this sponsor actually has any financial resources to care for the child. They they don't do proper vetting backgrounds, because remember, HHS is not a law enforcement organization. They don't have law enforcement personnel running background checks. So it, the people who were the case managers working on that site, we had no investigators. 
This is stunning to people. Like you're transferring children and you have no investigative personnel. You have no law enforcement looking into these people. So we had been putting forward and I put forward a lot of trafficking cases, suspected trafficking, ones that we know people had provided false documentation. Because remember, people on the site, they, they're not experts in document fraud and definitely not in international documentation. So a majority of the sponsors, I think Aaron has the exact number, but I know it's over 90%, have no legal status here in the United States. So they're, they're not citizens and they don't have permanent resident status or they're not here on a visa. So we have no way to really know who is this person. And so that's, you know, it's very, very concerning that we're transferring custody to unknown people with unknown backgrounds, with unknown history. So this was all very disturbing to me. And someone had sent me a copy of the Senate report back from 2016. And anybody can go look this up. I'll, um, you know, all these things that we're talking about tonight, it's all, you know, public record. You can look on HHS's website. You can look at the, oh, there you've got it, right? So, and under the Obama-Biden administration, they actually had children all the way back then trafficked through the program. And that's what this, the report that Sheena and I just held up exposes, right? Children were trafficked through the program back as far as 2014. So that was stunning to me to learn that not only did they know children were being trafficked through the program, but they were, their metric was move the kids, move the kids, move the kids. It was 10 to 14 days. And you can look at the average release time because it does have it on the site, on their website, on HHS's website. And most children were released in like 33 days or 34 days. So what organization is going to release a child to someone that that they've only spent a couple of weeks vetting? This doesn't even make any sense whatsoever. But it took things to another level when in August of 2021, so remember from May, when I had no idea ever one child was trafficked through the program, to seeing all of these different trafficking cases and suspected trafficking cases and false documentation. And then I see Aaron's video, somebody sent it to me, where it's, you know, Aaron was claiming, alleging that transnational criminal organizations were sponsoring these children. Now, as I said, my husband's from El Salvador and I've heard lots of stories. Um, things that if you, you know, you can go in and read about what people do. And for most of us, it would make us vomit what they, what they do to people. And when I grasped that we had criminal networks here who were getting these children. And remember, the administration knows that trafficking has been going on at least since 2014. And now they've relaxed all the rules and the most number of children that have ever been released are being released. In just the few months that I was at Pomona, that, that site, to be an emergency intake site, it can't be open any longer than six months because that's what it's there for. It's an emergency. It's six months. 
they processed more than 8,300 children. We sent more than 1,000 to Texas in that short period of time. Can you imagine? You're just sending children out. It just makes no sense whatsoever. So I, when I saw Aaron's story, I circulated that around the site and it took us less than two weeks when a case manager came up to me and said, Tara, I feel really weird about this case. It was a, the sponsor. She was female and she actually lived in Ohio and she was simultaneously sponsoring two children. So one was from our site in Pomona. One was from the Fort Bliss emergency intake site in Texas. And I, I was like, this is absolutely not, this is not good because I did not want to confirm right. What Aaron was saying, this was, this was a horrifying prospect. And so we started looking into it. The case manager, she was great. She got the person, she got the sponsor to self disclose because our background check. So think about it. If we're giving children to unknown sponsors with no presence, it's not as if we're looking into their background in home country. This is the thing that needs to ring the alarms to people. Like we're actually not looking into the backgrounds of the people who we're giving these children to. So therefore, when the, these criminal organizations that use these children for profit, right, they know that they can come here and operate because nobody's looking into them. And so we're giving them their workers, whether that's for labor or whether that's for sex. And we know it's happening because we're seeing in the newspaper all the time. Even the New York Times recently ran an article about how the children are being trafficked. So long story short, the um, when I discovered that, yes, indeed, this was it was actually a very high ranking member, um, her partner. And I I was ringing the alarms. I said, we can't, you know, do not release. And as it turned out, they ended up releasing the the girl to the sponsor. And I said, at that point, I just have to go outside of all chain of command. And so I reached out to the Office of Inspector General at two different agencies and reported. And obviously people were concerned and wanted to try to do something. Um, but HHS, they did not want this information to get out. And so the more information I kept discovering and putting forward, they started to retaliate against me, especially after they discovered that I had reported it to the Office of Inspector General. So Anyway, it's just a, it's very sad. It was horrible for me to discover what was going on. I, I tell people I went through stages of grief like 10 times, you know, first realizing that it was happening, then realizing that the government knew it was happening, then realizing that the government relaxed the rules so that it could move faster and to see the results of, of what was happening. It was just, it was just horrible. So I ended up being... Uh, falsely accused. I ended. They. I was threatened with investigation. I mean, all of this literally within th within three weeks of me reporting that we had a transnational criminal organization that was attempting to get children. That was it, man. I was off the site, and it happened so fast. My 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 head was spinning. So yeah, I was walked off the site, and in the process of being walked off the site, I was told that you know this matter was going to be investigated. And my badge was taken. So 
you know, you have to say when the administration makes a call for volunteers to come help, you have a federal employee who's worked for the government for 20 years this month, right, who volunteers to help. And they, you know, I'm reporting very serious things that are happening within the program. And they decide to try to shut it down. It, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense that it just lets me see that something very serious and nefarious is going on in the program that they don't want people to see. So that's why, Sheena, I thank you so much for for having me and Aaron on the call tonight, because one thing Aaron and I know and I know, you know, or you wouldn't be doing this is that one voice can make a difference. And there are children right now. I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here. It's it's almost 8, 8 p.m. here in Washington, D.C. on my Friday night talking about this if I didn't believe that there were things that we can do to make a difference. Because hundreds of thousands of children have crossed the border. The federal government has spent more than $10 billion in two years. They're asking for $7 billion for one year upcoming, that's what they want, to disperse these children all around the country. It This, what we are witnessing, you know, I call it government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded child trafficking, but if you can really open your eyes to see it, and again, there, there were moments on the site, I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to see this, I don't want to know this. There were days I thought maybe I need to quit. I mean, it was so emotionally distressing. Um, but this right now is the most well-funded, organized child trafficking ring actually that exists on the planet today. So the United States government, right? The coyotes, the smugglers are bringing the children to the border. The US government is the middleman and then dispersing the children directly to the traffickers. We are the middleman. And it is horror. I mean, it's just horrific to think about. And if I had not seen it with my own eyes, I'm not even sure I could believe it. But I know right now today there are children in distress and I know there are things that your listeners can do. And so that's why, you know, that's why we're here. And we really appreciate you and all the listeners. Um, Sheena. Yes. May I? So one yes, important please. thing um, we should do in the beginning too is, a lot of people, and I'm sure your audience, this is not them. I'm sure they're probably pretty educated because you're a good host. However, a lot of people don't understand what trafficking is. It's a word that we know, but it's like, you know, do we really know it? Um, so Tara, can you just clearly tell us what trafficking really means? Like, like sure, sure. So, yeah, yeah. So there's a difference between smuggling and trafficking. So smuggling is simply the act of transporting the child. But trafficking is actually, you have to prove that there's force, fraud, or coercion, and then there's a purpose for it. Like it could be debt bondage, it could be slave labor, it could be, it could be sex trafficking. So there's actually what's called an action, a means, and a purpose. So they're transporting the children, they're using force, fraud, or coercion, and most of it is, a, a big portion of it is fraud. They're telling them they're going to have this great life. And then they're putting them into debt bondage. They're putting them into slave labor as the New York Times, as NBC, as all these papers are now reporting, they're having this massive problem with child labor. Well, why is that? The reason we have a problem with child labor 
is not because the labor department is not doing their pro not doing their job. You know, no. Uh, the reason we have a problem with child labor is because HHS has lost control of their program. HHS has lost control of the unaccompanied children program. They're pumping billions of dollars, transporting and distributing children around the country to unvetted sponsors who are criminals. They are members of transnational criminal organizations, right, on the talk watch list, as Aaron has evidence. We know these are high-level criminal actors, and they have these children. And it's totally, it's totally unacceptable. And you had mentioned that, you know, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, they spent nine months on this investigation before this story was released in November of last year. When they knocked on doors in Houston, the children were telling them horrible stories. You know, a little girl, she's like five. She's living with four other adult men who she's not related to. And the, the undercover journalist who knocked on the door, she said, Tara, I just wanted to run with that little girl. I don't think anyone had bathed her in months. You know, a, a teenager, 15 years old, she's here. She got to start school. She had to quit school because she has a debt to the cartel. She has to pay her smuggling debt. And then the 16-year-old girl, she says, Tara, my, she didn't say to me, she said to the undercover journalist, she said, you know, they tell me my sponsor is my aunt, but I've never met her, but she's pimping me out for sex. So this little girl, and when the undercover journalist said, well, where is this happening? You know, is she taking you somewhere? Is it in the house? She's like, no, in her house. So this poor little child has to live in a home where guys are just coming in and having sex with her. I can't imagine this child going to bed at night, not knowing what, what her next day is gonna hold. This is unacceptable that the federal government is the middleman in these in these trafficking schemes. And 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 I thank you for for going into some of those cases that were uncovered um, with the Project Veritas. Is I I can only imagine um, what that uh, investigative reporter felt like. Um, and I showed some some quick little clips of some of the children that I've personally encountered, um, down there, some of the, uh, identification that was discarded on our Texas border of these children. Um, and you have to ask yourself why, and, and again, you hit on something and there's this, 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 this part, and that's kind of what we discussed, um, a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier on is what I'm hearing directly from the children where they are showing me um, let me see if I can do it again. I think it kind of caused some of the thing here, but, um, where they're telling me that they are being told by the NGOs, uh, by people within these NGOs, these women that they were meeting in, in, in Central America being told who their sponsor was going to be being, yep. being told by that aunt. You Maybe you don't remember them, uh, you know, in Guala, um, but, the, and there's the identification, but that's who you're going to ask for. Uh, and you're, you know, they, they would write it down on the piece of the paper, many of them that I have. Um, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of this documentation. Um, the one girl that you saw in, in, in the clip of the video there, 
this was her wristband that the cartel put on her. Um, in her case, the cartel had taken her away. She was a very, she is a very beautiful girl, 14 years old from Belize, um, and spoke fluent, fluent English and Spanish. Um, unlike many of the other unaccompanied minors that I, we had spoken to, um, she was not raped along the way. She was not shoved into these warehouses and the, uh, the big buses, um, or 18 wheelers, like so many of these other unaccompanied minors. Um, she was kept separately from a, with, with a female that she was relatively clean. Um, and, but she was torn apart from her mother and her three brothers. Um, and you have to ask yourself why. And when I talk about that story, um, I always ask them, well, why, why would think about it, right? Why would a beautiful, exotic looking from, you know, young girl, 14 years old, uh, bilingual from Belize, uh, be kept separate than all the rest of the other children? Um, because there's a higher price tag, isn't there for virgins? So um, these are the things that are happening right here in Texas. This is real. Um, and, and again, what I had seen, what the children were telling me straight from, I watched them cross into Texas um, and, and what they're telling me straight over, like straight from their mouth, showing me these little pieces of paper, handwritten notes of who to ask for when they get here that mm -hmm. they've never met before. Yeah. Um, and then you guys are in the inside and hearing and seeing these very same things. Um, you know, I wanted to point out in the 2016 report that we had referenced to as well. Um, it says here that unlike this is on page 19 of the report, unlike state foster care systems, HHS does not conduct home studies for all protective sponsors, even category three sponsors. Um, right now, we're currently working on HB 5000. Um, Representative Stan Kitzman um, has put forth legislation trying to make it a requirement. Um, I'm so thankful for him because this is one of the ways when, when you see, and we could have gone into so many different things from uh, Sarah Carter's interviews uh, of interviewing a trafficker, right? A cartel member talking about uh, taking these children for organ harvesting and sex trafficking, uh, very real things to, um, you know, like you said, the New York Times, I have those articles up, 86,000, according to the New York Times, who was a very left-leaning media group, right? Uh, that, that, that admitted that in their investigations, according to their documents, uh, 86,000, 86,000 unaccompanied minors, DHS and ORR, HHS just lost track of. Um, they talked about the trafficking of these children, child laboring. And thank you so much, Aaron, for getting into that specific difference, right, between smuggling and trafficking. Um, you know, Frito-Lay, Nestle, uh, so many other uh, Whole Foods, right, um, trafficking and in, in using these children for child laboring of unaccompanied minors. Uh, the, the, the poultry plants, the, uh, um, what was it, Hyundai, Hyundai Moda Company, like the these children are being used and exploited, and I'm going to tell you why. It's so easy. Um, they a lot of them don't exist, and when they do come over, there there any type of forms of identification, uh, a lot of the times gets discarded. And I showed some of the. I have a bin full of trash. My husband can't stand it. He's like, "Why?" Because <laughs> I have documents. Um, 
I'm, I'm telling you, these children do not exist. Nobody knows that they're even here. Uh, there's no way to track them down. And, and these are just the ones that we have on file. When we talk about the getaways, how many of those gotaways are children? I've seen a lot of the footage. Mm -hmm. of uh, including women and children, right, from the gotaways. So we're just talking about the ones that are on paper that there's at least some record of, right? Um, and they they even said right here, according to the 2016 um, report, which please, I mean, guys, read this, you know, um, mm -hmm. according to HHS, however, a sponsor, get this, is free to refused post-release services uh, mm -hmm. Basically, refusing to allow HHS or its care providers to have any contact with a child after release. The sponsor must consent before services are provided and can withdraw consent whenever the sponsor chooses. We're referring to like uh, home care studies. The sponsors that mm -hmm. the very same sponsors that we're talking about, which I know even in this report, they said that 60% of the sponsors were uh, migrants or illegal aliens themselves. Now, I know that you had mentioned possibly 90%. We can't even properly vet these people. This is right here. They, mm -hmm. these very same sponsors can just refuse that. Like even if HHS does actually try to do something or these NGOs like Endeavors tries to follow up with a home study, these sponsors can be like, no, we're just we're, can we're I jump not going to allow that to happen. Please, please. All right, because you had a lot there, and what's important to understand are, are a lot of these things. So, the 2016 report you're referring to that came from a 2016 Senate hearing, in which they brought up, you know, two people from HHS, and they brought in three people from like as witnesses because they work for the NGOs. And we'll get that in a second. So, just people understand too, these policies are written by the government, like. HHS writes these rules. We can get into the detail, but it's just, it's the administrative state. This is how the government operates. So in that 2016 hearing, the two people that they brought up from HHS, one was the assistant acting secretary of Homeland Security. His name was something Greenberg. I forgot his first name, but the other guy was named something, whatever. He worked for ORR. He was the actual director. So that director at ORR, he's now gone off to some Soros Open Society Foundation, whatever it's called, a very open borders type thing. But that ex-assisting secretary, that guy, that Greenberg dude, he's now back at HHS and he's part of the general counsel. This is mm -hmm. the, this is how they operate. They bring these dudes in and they stay. They were gone for Trump. Stay coming. Now the establishment's back in power again. These dudes came straight back in again. So also um, the thing you said about the home studies and the, and the categories, you know, one, two, three. All right. So a little nerdy, but you got to pay attention to this part. So category one means this is the where the sponsor, they testify and their testimony is like, oh, I'm the child's um, you know, mother or father. Okay. There's two parts of category two, which is 2A or 2B. If you're category 2A, it means that basically you're not mom and dad, but you're a close family, mom, brother, uncle, grandpa, sorry, brother, you know, aunt, grandpa, and you had a relationship with them as a child. A 2B is the same type of relationship, but you didn't have that thing as a child. So either, you know, it's family, but either you know them or you don't. Category three is you don't know them at all. It's just some stranger is going to try to get you. So in 2022, there were uh, a little bit more than 13,000 category three sponsors. Those by HHS policy are supposed to get a home study mandatory. Now, those things are a joke anyways. They're not real home studies. You can do them virtually on your phone, but they're supposed to get one done. If you look up HHS own metrics, as far as how many home studies they've done, it was under 50%. 
it was, it was like 5,400 something, something, something. But by their own records, they're nowhere near to enforcing their own law. And this is why state legislatures are so important. Yes. You cannot rely on the federal government to do this thing, to break it up, because they're the ones who created it. The entire thing was made by the administrative state of HHS and DHS. They are the main problem. So you're not going to get a new law that says don't sex traffic children because that already exists. It's how they mm -hmm. enforce it. And it's really important to understand that. By the way, you did say that the New York Times is left-leaning media. It's state <laughs> media. I will... I'm just going to say it. <laughs> no, and, and, and thank you for breaking that down because, and, and I know you, I'm like showing it, I could have had it prepared, um, but I had other things pulled up just in case uh, we wanted a reference to it. But right here with the categories, when I, I wrote, uh, for those who have followed me, I've written extensive, extensively about some of the NGOs that are operating down here and um, specifically endeavors. Um, that, that That's the one that I have a little bit more knowledge into. Um, and, and when we had a town hall meeting where they're attempting to open up one of these larger permanent or smaller permanent facilities, different than the influx facilities like in Pe Pecos, right? Because those are supposed to be temporary, even though the Pecos facility mm -hmm. grew substantially. And in the Project Veritas drop, um, it actually mentions one of the children that was sent to Bonita Springs, Florida. Mm -hmm. um, several of those children talk about going through the Pecos facility, which was yes. ran by Endeavors. Um, but one of the questions that I had even asked, like Endeavors, uh, the, the, the COO um, of, of Endeavors, Chip, he had said during the town hall that we had down there in Eagle Lake, well, but our, in, during the Eagle Lake City Council meetings. And this is how we're talking about the action items all the way down on the city, county, and state level that Alliance for a Safe Texas, Texas focuses on that I've been trying to focus on so intently because this is where, like you said, Aaron, a lot of the power is. We have a lot of power on these different levels. We mm -hmm. cannot rely on the federal agencies and the federal government that is allowing this to happen and facilitating it and using our taxpayer dollars to do it. But he yeah. even said, uh, like, almost proudly, like, oh, yes, there are no children being uh, that, that come through our doors that, that are Category 4. Which if you read the categories, like Aaron just explained, I'm going to read category three, exactly from, from, from this committee report. Distant relatives or unrelated individuals. Much of the subcommittee's investigation had, has focused on category three sponsors, uh, those that have no close relationship to the child and therefore resemble foster care providers or similar temporary custodial uh, 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 arrangements. So this is where category three, like why would you need a category four at that point? Essentially like our CPS and our foster care system. And this is saying a lot for those of you guys who know the um, we've made some progress within our state CPS system, a child protective service system, but there are, every state foster care system is plagued, riddled with issues and, and allegations of abuse within that. We have no business of even trying to take care of children from other countries and trying to project the idea like the Biden administration, like, no, send your children because they'll be safe with us. We'll take care of them. We'll feed no. them. We'll clothe them. We're going to it's absolutely we can't even do that for American children. Um, but uh, even the CPS, even the foster care system within our own state has more protections than these oh. children that are going through the UAC program. Oh, Would definitely. you agree? Oh, yeah. definitely beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. By the way, this is, since, that, we're on, that's terrifying. since we're on definitions, do your 
Does your audience know the definition of an unaccompanied alien child? Please, if let's not, go may ahead I? and assume they don't. Please, <laughs> yes. 6 U.S. Code 279-G2. The term unaccompanied alien child means a child who has no lawful immigration status in the United States, yada, 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 and there is no parent or legal guardian in the United States, which by definition makes you go, well, then how the hell is there even a category one? Because the category one is the mother or father of the child. And again, this whole thing, it just operates as if like with no accountability, there is zero like actual anything when it comes to making sure this child is safe and protected. There, yes. It doesn't exist. No, it doesn't exist. And, and so Sheena, I just want to make sure that I, I heard what you said correctly. So you're telling me someone from the Pecos site said that there were no category threes? No, that there was no category fours. Oh, like, meaning that and, there was no sponsor identified. Right. Yes. So they like, like that they have very term care. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. That they have very few, very minute, which I believe, because when you look at the, like they were saying that as a, in a sense of like, oh yeah, like th this takes care of possible trafficking issues. Right. Because, and th this is, this is the point of it is, is that when you're an NGO, Right. And, and, and even with us, um, oh gosh, what is her name? Uh, Savannah Hernandez from the post millennial and Jack Basobic mm -hmm. also touched on this as well. Um, and may, they had a whistleblower from MV, MVM, like Michael yeah. Victor, MVM. Michael, right. Mm -hmm. Which was one of the, uh, what do they call it? Travel youth care workers or like a travel escort. Okay. So essentially they're like, okay, while you're, while we're taking them from the influx facility, getting them to their sponsors, we're going to travel with these unaccompanied minors to make sure that they, that they're fed, they're clothed and that they get what they're supposed to get to. So th this is one of the kind of like what I would say, like a middleman, if you will, like how I view and categorize these NGOs that are operating within Texas is that they interact with these children, but then they, they wipe their hands clean. Like I don't have any responsibility. HHS does all of the vetting of the sponsors and all the vetting of these unaccompanied minors. We're just taking taxpayer dollars to just be the, the middle person, right? Well, this whistleblower came forth on uh, Savannah, Savannah Hernandez's um, uh, site and, and on the post millennial and talked about on how like these same same issues they're not being better vetted they're being released to these sponsors that it's like an inconvenience uh you notice right away i'm a mom i think we're you know we we are parents we're i know how like my children respond to me right how or how even like my niece and nephew like something is going to trigger it like oh yeah that child who's nine years old who traveled from Guatemala by herself, she would, you would at least expect a certain kind of response with somebody who's familiar with like a category two or three. Right. Um, and it's not anything. And he reported that. And, and I'm saying this because even like with the NGOs, everyone is washing their hands like, Oh, well we, we know that this is a problem. We see that this is happening. And then whistleblowers like you guys coming forward too. how many other whistleblowers have seen these issues and, and they know that something's wrong. They can feel it. They can see it. They can see with their own two eyes, but they're remaining silent. And I asked Chip uh, with Endeavors and I said, at what point does, as you, as an NGO that you're taking billions, billions of taxpayer dollars yeah. to operate and purposely inject yourself as a middleman, at what point do you 
acknowledge that these issues are exist and that then you become uh you as an ngo as a middleman you you put in extra safeguards right like and that's the reason why something like hb 5000 is important it's not a, a catch-all solution by any means but what it would do is require that these types of facilities permanent and influx facilities all across the board that they are licensed within the state um, and then that then would subject them to state regulated laws like our CPS system, right? Is it going to solve everything? No. But is it a potential buffer where like even in like Midland where they literally dropped off uh, and I had Laura Nodoff, who was the um, Midland County DA. She was one of the very first people that I had on the podcast. She's a fire breather. She's amazing. Uh, and she was like, they literally dropped off by they being the Biden administration, HHS, right, ORR, dropped off these kids in the middle of the night, didn't tell anybody, and then told the county DA who uh, who would be responsible for any allegations of abuse and told the sheriff, like, no, you can't come into this facility. But if we have a rape case, we're going to send it over to you, which did happen. And then, um, you know, we anticipate that you're where you're expected to follow up with this. They they don't even have access. These are state officials. Even the state of Texas had no idea that these buses were coming here. They, they put them in a man camp. Like this is very real. So HB 5000 at least is one tiny little safeguard that is sorely needed that might give the state of Texas more sovereignty be able to assert more state sovereignty and say we're gonna we're if you we there may not be too much that we can do but we're gonna push that limit and we're gonna require you to do this and that then you are submitted to oversight from our state yes. committees right yes. yeah the, so, whole, the like, whole thing that's kind of that mm -hmm. thought process yeah the jurisdiction has to be defederalized if, yes. if any law enforcement agency it's not just the state level i think if a, if a county sheriff or a small town cop if they start an investigation or even suspect that there's a kid getting trafficked and they find mm -hmm. out that kid was ever in this program, they need to have immediate and all access to like every piece of paper on that kid, every system on that kid, wherever that there's info on that kid that has to go all the way down. They have to have yes. access to it because otherwise they're going to stop. Can I go back to what you said though about NGOs specifically? Because please, please. Um, the major problems there with them and you're absolutely right on them. So in 2016, that same testimony after they did their little fake, you know, we're going to yell at you guys with the HHS. Then they brought in uh, three witnesses. Two of them worked uh, for NGOs. And they had, you know, good, heartfelt stories. They were very sincere sounding. And when they were asked, you know, well, do you guys think that you can solve this problem? Do you guys think that they're, and they're like, oh yeah, definitely. Just give us more money. And they got a ton more funding. And ever since then, the problem has been exploding. So it's, th that's not a fix. It's not going to be just, no. all right, well, here, but also, um, when you're, you said a lot of things there, and this goes into part of the policy changes, like this is how fast, and this, this is why it can be fixed. This is how fast the government operates. So they've got, HHS has some mechanisms to do like, you know, actual investigations and things. They do have teams that are dedicated to go around and do like actual investigative authority onto these, not only the locations, but also like the cases themselves. Like they can go there for up to like, I think five days or a week or something like that. And they can just start rummaging through files. Like they're authorized to do so to find instances of trafficking and make sure the kids are protected. And the day after Biden is inaugurated on January 21st, 2021, HHS submitted a rule change proposal to completely change the way that they collect information. Now they say it's for redundancy and it's not because you can never be too redundant on information about protecting children in your own program. Same HHS in May of 2021, 
they did a rule change of, hey, we're making a whole new system, a whole new case management system called UC or uh, yeah, UC Path. If you don't know the federal government, anytime they make a new system, it sucks. It never works, and it just sucks. But Shocker. They made new, yeah, they made Shocker. this new uh, new program, and they were going to change the way they collected information. So some of the things that they changed of collecting information were things like there was a human trafficking section, and they took away 16 data fields that were supposed to go inside there. One of them was, hey, while you're talking to the child, you're actually the case manager. You're talking to the child. There used to be questions in there which said like things like, hey, do, are you worried about going back with this new sponsor of yours? Are you concerned about the way they're going to discipline you? And all these other questions, like real ways to assure people, because as you know, as a, as a mother yourself, when you talk to a child, if you just give them one question, they're going to respond by answering, well, this is what they want to hear because they're, they're kids, right? And that's your own child, let alone one who doesn't speak your language in a new country by this person who I don't know. So they will not tell you the truth right away because they're scared. What you got to do is kind of reassure them. You sit down with them. You get a, you, you kind of get down to their level and you really kind of talk. You change the tone of your voice. You ask them questions a few different ways. You kind of reassure them like, no, no, it's cool, dude. What, what happened, buddy? They change all those questions of, hey, kid, are you feeling worried and do you feel scared and do you feel – And they boil it down to one question of, do you have any worries? It's like they did that in May 2020. Why? Why would they change these rules as this was going in? They knew this was a major problem and they said it like, oh yeah, but we got to these changes because the most critical thing is we got to make sure this new UC path is up and running. Like when we say this thing's been constructed from top to bottom and from bottom to top, we, we mean it very, I, at least I will say it. I mean it very clearly. This thing's been constructed on purpose. I, I just, I can't say it. That's, I can't say it any other way. So it's, it's so in your face and, and then knowing yeah. that this is orchestrated intent, I, I in my opinion, to piggyback off of your opinion, intentional. This is, in yeah. my opinion, one hundred percent intentional, and um, and using our taxpayer dollars to do it. And and we're just barely scratching the surface oh. of these issues. Like we're not we're not even deep diving. I mean, we we could be on this podcast for hours and barely be scratching. I mean, if you even talk about uh, the access to abortions and how easy it is for these unaccompanied minors i mean like and i've talked about that before for it yes so they, they do a pregnancy test on every female so this is Would something like that i've not no one's asked on on any of the other podcasts and so you know i just do want to do my disclaimer again please uh, no let's 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 today, get into it because right i'm speaking on, hold on, on really quick my, really quick my personal opinion, not on behalf of my agency or behalf of the government, right? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about what I witnessed. So go ahead, Sheena, and then I'm going to tell you. Oh, okay. So, so no, I was just going to say really quick. Uh, they, the, the, the. Oh, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. I know it's like glitching. I'm sorry. I hope that this, like, for those who know me, know that my, I actually started in the ad, my advocacy in the pro-life movement. I was a volunteer counselor for a pro-life uh, center here in the DFW area for a number of years. And that's actually how I began uh, years ago when my kids were little. I've got an 18 and a 15 year old uh, now, but when they were little. So that's how I actually became acquainted with some of the issues of uh, trafficking um, because I would have a lot of clients coming in thinking that we were Planned Parenthood uh, and they were cases of forced arranged marriages uh, that were coming in. So I say this too, because this was even something that I had touched upon 
I used to have information on our website, securetheborder.us, but I had to take it down just for lack of clarity and sharing, like just, just having everything easily accessible. Um, but actually talking about the easy accessibility uh, and, and, and I hope I want you to go into it. Um, so please, because of, of the abortions and the reason why this is important is because this goes hand in hand with trafficking with sex trafficking in particular as well, is that it makes it easier to hide their abuse and makes uh, that they are enduring as well. And so please um, feel free, tell us about what you've also experienced. And this is the first time I'm going to hear you talk about this. So please uh, share details with what you know about that. Yeah, well, we every, every child upon arrival to HHS custody receives a medical exam. And they do a pregnancy test on every female. They do a pregnancy test. And then they counsel for abortion. And then they transfer the children to another facility where, because they can't do that on the emergency intake site, the medical staff can give vaccines and do other things like that and de-louse them and, and other things, but they don't have the ability to do that on the site. So they transfer them to another facility to have the procedure done. And they are not under any circumstances to tell the sponsor. So even if a female is going to her mother or going to her father or going to her aunt, they do not, they do not tell. I, I heard them, first of all, I didn't even know that was going on either. And one day I went down to the command center to talk about a trafficking case. And, you know, they're like, come in, sit down, you know, and they're on the phone and they were arranging abortions for two of our girls, sending them off to another facility. They would transfer them there, have the procedures done. And I heard them say, sponsor can't know. Are we clear? Sponsor can't know. So you're taking a child who God only knows what has happened to them. And then they are sending this child for an abortion and then sending them on to a sponsor and with no medical help, emotional, psychological. Let's not, let's, let's not even put the fact that it's totally, absolutely unethical and irresponsible to be bringing these children here, luring them here. I think if most Latino, like people who I've told that they're like, wait a minute, you're telling me because most of my friends are Latino. They're like, you're telling me they're luring our children here and then aborting their babies. I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And they're not telling anybody about it. So somebody, that's a whole nother thing to sound the alarm on, but there's, there's levels. So they can't send someone to a safe sponsor, but they can sure make sure that the girls, you know, get abortions. So Aaron, look it up you yourself. Yep. Field guidance 20 of HHS for this whole program, the ACC, ACF ORR Field Guidance 20. If you wanna pull it up and like you can do it right now, maybe if you're listening to this later, if you hit control find and look for abortion, you'll see it 46 times, okay? So this whole thing is about abortion. It's about reproductive healthcare, it's about abortion. So what Tara was just describing, by the way, that situation where it's don't tell the sponsor, not only is that the actual case of what they do, where it's like, hey, we found the sponsor and we're going to move the kid, but she's got an abortion scheduled. They elevate that to the uh, federal field specialist. So I didn't know what that was. That sounds like, oh, what does that mean? Those are basically the rock stars that are in, char in charge of the show at all these little camps. 
So they elevate it to basically the dude running the show to make sure that they can get it done. But here's a crazy thing. So let's say they, you know, they HHS takes custody and they're going to figure out where these kids are going to go. Like, hey, what, you know, what state should they go to? They will prioritize moving a pregnant girl to a state that has no restrictions on abortions. They will not move that kid to a state that has bans on abortions. So that's happening straight up first things off. Right. Secondly, because the government loves to talk about how this is all about family unification in there. If a girl and a sibling, like let's say a brother, come across the border together and they're going to go, oh, well, that girl needs an abortion. What should we do? They will move the girl away from the brother. They will split up the family to make sure they get that abortion done. Like, I'm not kidding. This this policy was written by the state. If they need to get uh, if the if the doctor, for whatever reason, has to get some type of like approval from whoever's in custody. Guess who gives the approval? It's HHS. Like this is the level that it really is. It's, oh, I got to stop talking. It's bad. No. And, and, and I had talked about this with our uh, Anthony um, to Anthony and Oscar blue, Oscar blue. Uh, for those who follow me, chances are, you know, who I'm talking about. Um, he, he's a, a, a reporter correspondent for real America's voice news uh, and, and someone who I consider a friend. I greatly appreciate him, him and Ben Barker. And we're just down there in the Darien gap. And one of the times that we, I, I was on his show and we were talking about, I, I was talking about exactly this. Gosh, it feels like forever ago. It was probably about a year and a half ago where I was talking about exactly this was that the, the guards, the requirements. And I just kind of showed, I pulled up, it was uh, 21 field guidance, 21, um, which is still active. Uh, there again, another thing that they're using our taxpayer dollars for. And here in the state of Texas, um, when we had the trigger law uh, take into effect after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, um, some of the left wing organizations were screaming bloody murder. And they were talking about this like, oh, these children that were abused, these poor migrants, which yeah, I mean, yeah, they are abused. I, I know this firsthand. Right. I've talked to many of them. They're raped and abused. Let's talk about how why that is happening, because the policies are incentivizing this, especially yeah. incentivizing these young children, these unaccompanied minors to come uh, where they're facing these abuses. A lot of these abuses that they did not face um when they were in their own home countries they faced it along the way uh, yes. but this was exactly one of the things too that i'm and and i could go down that rabbit hole where i have been desperately trying and researching because if you guys remember our mayor i think it was out of the university of maryland um where it was disclosed i believe it was judicial watch um and this is how i started going down this rabbit hole where they had talked about uh Again, kind of the same thing like where Project Veritas, where James O'Keefe really got started, was the organ harvesting of aborted babies, right? Um, and when I'm down there in the RGV, in the Rio Grande Valley sector, uh, and I'm down there looking at right across from Catholic Charities where these buses are, and this was the height of COVID, not too, too, you know, just a few months after Biden was inaugurated. And I'm seeing these young girls, every single one of them, big pregnant coming from Catholic charities to the COVID testing facilities and then walking to the bus stations, every single one of them, huge, big pregnant. And what is going through my mind is what are, what, what are all of these? Like, is it possible that after the university of Maryland study, I believe it was university of Maryland that came out and said, well, yeah, they, they were organ harvesting. They were doing these abortions and that they needed a certain percentage of, of, of aborted fetuses, from minorities and i'm going and what am i staring at 
nothing but minorities, young women who are big pregnant. And you can't tell me because they're paying for abortions and they have been down there in Mexico. It, it Do you get that connection that I'm trying to make there? The answer is the yes. very possible thing that I see. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I feel like I'm crazy sometimes. And that's no. why I appreciate you guys, because now it's not just Sheena Rodriguez, homeschooling mom, that's saying this, that that's making these connections. It's you guys, Tara. Yes, please. Well, I mean, Anybody can look at the data and see that they do that on intake. I mean, it's it's in their forms. Anybody can look at it and see that every single female is is tested for pregnancy. Now, the other thing is, is they sometimes have what they call cycling of the children through the programs and through the borders. So sometimes they'll have a child, you know, depending on which immigration law is is in force at the moment. Right. They'll they'll have a child come through with people so that they all come through together. And then they were finding that children were being recycled. Well, let's just say that you're running a brothel in Mexico or or Guatemala or El Salvador and you need to keep aborting children. Right. Of of these young girls who you're who get pregnant working in brothels. Imagine that. Well, you just cycle them through the UC program where they can have safe, effective abortions, right? So this is a loophole that we as a federal government should not go down. We are aiding and abetting these, these types of criminal activities. And this is what I just wish, I just wish people could understand is that some of these children have very happy, healthy lives in their home country. And they are lured here right? By, by fraud, force, fraud, coercion, they're lured here. And it's not for like drugs are a one-time use. These children are being used over and over and over again, whether that's labor trafficking or sex trafficking, they're using these children for evil purposes. And we are aiding and abetting. We're creating the pull because we're telling the trafficker. So trafficker here, Right. These are members of transnational criminal organizations. OK, these are heartless people who see the children as product. It's their assets. So when they find out that, hey, all I got to do is get the child to the border and then the government takes over and then the government is going to fly the child white glove service to my house. Well, of course, they're going to be like, yes. We're going to try to get as many kids as we possibly can because the federal government is paying the ticket to fly these children all around the country. They're building up networks all over the United States as evidenced by just the labor trafficking that you've seen. Right. So it's it's absolutely evil. And I just don't think people they don't fully grasp what's happening. They, they don't get it. And they and policies have consequences. And, and yeah. we have. Yeah, it's it's a terrible. But Tara, please tell them too, because you know that 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 fake New York Times article that's like, oh, but they just rescued 100 kids. Tara, those 100 kids that got rescued, and by the way, thankfully. But what happens to them next? Yeah, so those children are brought back into HHS care, so that another sponsor can be identified. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. You will get everyone under the sun right now. Doing the because if when people start talking about this and then they get they'll get the pushback because I've gotten myself to 
blind pushback of no, but there's home studies. No, there's not. Oh, but they bet the the sponsor. No, they don't. Oh, but they save the kids. No, they don't. Like all these things are just no, they're not at all. And by the way, to anybody from if you have any Fed friends that are just going to try to go like, no way, we're not doing this. They couldn't identify sex trafficking when we identified their sex traffickers getting kids. So it's just like that's that's the level. You just got to write them off and go, this is not a conversation for you, dude. Like that's how you yeah. got to treat the federal government in the sense. This is not about you, man. Like you guys have lost it. You you got to go away now. So yeah, take ownership right. of the conversation. Yeah. And I would strongly encourage people to watch Trafficked in America. And that show by PBS, right? Yeah. It was PBS. Yes. And that is the expose on the 2014 trafficking under the Obama Biden administration. It is what's outlined in this Senate report. And they explain and they show exactly how they lured the children. They show the conditions they were living in. These children did not even have a toilet. They had a bucket in the trailer where they were all living and working on an egg farm in total slave labor. So this is absolutely unacceptable. And so, um, again, speaking in my personal capacity as a, as a American who sees what's happening, if, if I could wave a magic wand, I would, and if I was the governor of a state, I would be like, okay, friends, you do not have the right to send children into my state without letting me know the address to where they're going and the sponsor to whom they are going to be living with. There is no right in our country to be a sponsor. That, that's, that's not a right that anybody has. You want to be a sponsor of a child, then you get to go on a database there's no reason why one child should be missing. This is the thing that's stunning to me. Oh, the children are gone. Why? When you know exactly where the sponsor is, you have the photo ID of the sponsor. You know the address of the sponsor. They need to go after the sponsors. It is not a right to be a sponsor of a child, no more than it's a right to be a foster parent or anything else. It's unacceptable. And they know exactly where these children are or should be because HHS has the information. The states should be like, I demand it. I want to know where, where these kids are. And, and this is where local them. cops, this is where local cops and, and sheriffs can come into play because they can, okay, fine. The kids are in my, my district now start going to the schools and Hey, who, what are the truancy rates? Like there yep. are so many, there are so many possible responses thing. It's, it's so easy. Ugh. Yes, and, 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 and two, and two, and, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say one other very critical thing. If I'm a law enforcement officer in Texas, okay, and you said how many are have been just in the two counties where you are? And just Tarrant County, which I'm in Tarrant County, um, and Dallas County, uh, which is neighboring, and just our two counties alone. And I'm, I, that's what I was going to lead uh, to my next question with you, Tara, before we kind of start reeling it in, make sure that we have all the information tied up of where people can follow us and the action mm -hmm. item. But um, in just Tarrant County and in and, and Dallas alone, uh, since uh, FY21, over 8,600 that have been released to sponsors, according to HHS and OR. Okay, so my question would be, as a, as a law enforcement person, who are these sponsors? Because we now know for sure, 100% evidence, some of these are high-level criminal actors. They're high-level criminal actors 
on a, they're transnational organized criminals, right? They're on the talk and you're, you're allowing these people to live, operate, and you're sending children to bad actors, but you're not telling me what is up with that. That makes no, there is no way anybody can explain to me how that the federal government has data on who these high level criminal actors are and they're not telling people this it 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 defies belief and had i not seen it with my own eyes i couldn't believe it had aaron not had the courage to come forward to stand up for the children and be like wait a minute guys we're giving children to sex traffickers had he not done that i might have never even known that but then i saw it with my own eyes so it's absolutely unacceptable and no law enforcement officer should stand should stand up for this it could be we're that fast to find them. Yes. And that's the other important part of this thing, especially with immigration, because all these illegals that are doing this for the trying to sponsor kids, they're exploiting the loophole of going, oh, no, I, I need to get asylum. And I'm not kidding. That process will take up to five, six years. It is a very, very long term thing. And, and it's backlogged like, even more. It'll yep. probably be even more because it's even more backlogged. Yep. Right. And just to see the judge, they have to go before the asylum officer to get their like temporary, you know, positive review, their temporary yes to stay in the country. That's it's given out like candy. About 80% of the credible fear and the reasonable fear cases, like 80% of those things are given a yes. But then immigration judges, you know, 15 years or sorry, five years down the road, they're denying them at a, about an 80% rate. So it's the no, it's just completely flipped over. And it's just like, okay. So again, once again, federal government, you guys have created this entire problem because if those sponsors weren't here, where do the kids go? Long-term care. Not that that's like the best thing in the world, but they're not getting sex and labor trafficked right away. It's just like, this is, right. it is evil and you can't say it's not. Right. And, 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 and one of the other things that we can do and Tara, I'm about to, I, don't let me forget. I wanted to ask you, um, cause I know that a lot of the, the information that came out in the project Veritas, uh, drop, um, was children, uh, like 40, uh, UCs in, in Austin area. As I'm sitting there going into state legislators offices, I'm like, they're right here, uh, for mm -hmm. 300 of them, uh, were, and this is just the little bit from this investigation, right? Like th yeah. this is by no means, not all encompassing, uh, 300 of them, um, was in Houston from what they found. Um, and then were there any found in the DF? area from this investigation? Oh, yeah. Of? Well, one case that I haven't that I've never shared before either is our interesting Dallas case. So um, we had so what's interesting is that we, when the children are on the site, right, sometimes the case managers, we had over 200 case managers. So imagine this open bay. I mean, it was huge, the ballroom that we were working in, in the Pomona Fairplex, and it had just rows and rows of tables. And case managers would sit on one side and the children would file in and sit on the other. But the case managers, you know, they would get to know each other and, you know, they would sometimes chat about their cases. You know, we always encourage them to be sharing information about their cases. Well, it just so happened that two girls discovered that they each had a child who was going to the same sponsor in Dallas. And they were like, well, well, that's interesting. And so the next time one of the case managers had had her child come in, she said, oh, so you crossed the border, you know, with the other kid. And he's like, no, I don't I don't know who you're talking about. So these two children did not know each other. 
going to the same sponsor in Texas. So when we started looking into that sponsor, we realized, because that guy had lied on his forms, both he and his brother had sponsored before, they owned a landscaping company, had used multiple addresses. And so then we had to, the case managers had to tell the children, uh, I'm sorry, this person is off the list. So then they got two new sponsors. So first sponsor, Equis, Negativo. So then we give them to, they They each got different sponsors. And th this is in Dallas, right? This, this, is, in the, in this Dallas, is in the Dallas area. Texas, I have all the data, all the information. May have already given it to some, some people in Texas, but I, I believe I have passed this case forward. But so then the children go to two separate sponsors. And then to those separate sponsors, we found that they were tied to other trafficking. So one of the children went into long-term care. The other child was so disillusioned. He was so, he's like, so many people have lied to me. He did what's called a voluntary departure. He requested to go home. And we tried, we tried so hard to be like, look, we, we can take care of you. We can put you in long-term care. You know, we can make sure that you're taken care of. And he's like, everybody's lied to me. And this little child said, I, I want to go home. So when the children figure out what's happened, you know, with just a little bit of looking into the cases, people could easily identify that this is trafficking, that the children don't know who they're going to with just a little bit of effort. And we can prevent children from going to these horrific situations. It's absolutely unconscionable. But yes, it's all over the country. It's going on all over the country. And it and so our current call to action in the spirit of also like Aaron said, and Aaron, I want to, uh, guys, Tara and Aaron, uh, seriously, you guys are my, my, my heroes. Um, because again, I'm so thankful for you guys. Um, I know that you, you guys have risked a lot and, uh, to even just come forth to have the bravery and, and Aaron, you said in one of the, I think it, actually in both of the interviews with uh, the drops with project Veritas, um, you know, you had said it's like a no brainer, right? Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. And you did. Um, yeah. Tara, I think I, I know that they were going after you. Right. Um, and, and like you guys risked a lot. Um, me being down there and seeing and knowing what I know and just even going down there, I can tell you, I even get personal messages and threats um, nonstop and, and from very scary type of people. Uh, but the thing that keeps on getting back to me uh, and Aaron, you said this too, like, but just in different words is when people ask like, why uh, for me, I'm very passionate about it because this is a pro-life issue. I've said that from the very beginning, this to me is an extension of the pro-life issue. Um, but when you see these children and you know that this is happening, no matter the cost to Tara, Aaron, uh, and in a very small minute scale myself, um, that is nothing compared to what these children have gone through and are going through these children that just in many cases just don't exist that we're helping to fund doing this too. And like you said, I mean, to those little kids, those little, like the little girls that I've encountered right here. Um, I can't, um, somebody has to speak up. The, the yes. these yeah. kids don't have a voice. So yes. Um, no. Yeah. Um, can I get it? Can I get a little Christian real quick? Please. Because Jesus Christ, Son and Logos of God, 
was very clear when he talked about protecting children. Like you pick up, yes. pick your favorite one and just run with it. But it's like the people that are ignorant about it, whatever, you know, I don't know. People that are doing it, I don't want to be them. But if you have the, you know, the knowledge of this and you have the capacity to do something and that's going to be on you. So I've said this to a few other, you know, my shows I've gone on to donate your time. That's the thing that people could always help with, right? Just donate some time and to do it, whatever it is that you're good at. So if like you're a good, you know, media editor or a good writer, volunteer at some type of organization that's combating these things or at least raising awareness or whatever it, Sheena, if you need someone to like, you know, move boxes, manage a database, like get involved at this level because that's how it works. Cause I keep telling people too, it's my personal opinion. I think the only agent to change this is going to be moms and women because they get like, I've talked to dudes and I've talked to, to women dudes will get kind of like, you know, Oh man, that sucks. And they might get upset about it, but like moms get pissed and they don't stop asking questions. Women get like angry. And it's it's like, personal. It's personal. Right. So like if you, if you, if you're watching this and if you know any, any mom group, like get this to them. And I'm not kidding. Like I will come out there and like really brief you guys, like what the hell is going on? Because when you go to the government maybe even state level, you never know who you're going to talk to with those things because they're politicians, they're going to talk you out of it. That's what they do. And you have to be armed with what's going on. You have to know what's going on. So that way you also know who the liars are that are going to be fighting for this thing to continue. And you got to be the stronger one, the smarter one to be able to fight back against it because this seriously is evil. When I say that, I do mean like the diabolical Satan. This is the influence that's doing these things. I think at least, and I could be wrong on that one. I'm proving wrong if you want to, but again, Jesus Christ was very clear when he told us protecting children. This is, this is a very, very simple thing. We have to be the ones doing it. So that's that. And so to that point, we know that we're all about action here. Um, and I want to make sure as we're closing it out that uh, we have all the information of how people can, um, you know, follow you guys, help you guys, uh, and help spread your message. But right here in the state of Texas, and even if you're not in the great state of Texas, number one, I apologize. But number two, you can do similar to what I've been trying to do here. Uh, and I have that all important update to this action item. Um, for We just started our ADA session here. I put out a lot of information about bills, bills that Alliance for Safe Texas is supporting, right? That is all important. Um, follow me on the Substack Mid Cities Conservative because that's where I'm putting out the action items, and of course on our social media. But the biggest action item is just this: we found a a sponsor for our letter, a legislative sponsor for our letter, um, someone who is willing to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. We need more people just like that here in Texas and throughout the United States. And that letter is um, actually asking for the launch of the investigation into the trafficking of the unaccompanied minors right here in the state of Texas. We may not be able to control um, what is happening in California or New York or Arizona or any of these things. Um, but we sure as heck need to be looking into this because again, like Aaron said, and like Tara said, it is the state age uh, the federal agencies that are doing this and asking them to investigate themselves is nonsensical. 
um, th th they're promoting this, they're incentivizing this. We here in the great state of Texas should launch this investigation uh, into the trafficking occurring right here with some of the evidence that we discussed today. Um, and so Representative Stan Kitzman, uh, who represents a part of Colorado County or all of Colorado County, where some of these NGO facilities like Endeavors is attempting to open up um, uh, more permanent facilities. Um, he's very passionate about this. And I'm so grateful to him uh, for sponsoring the letter. You guys can go to securetheborder.us, the Take Action tab. And on there, um, we have the copy of the, the exact verbiage. Uh, for those of you guys who have been following me for a while, you, you, I've been talking about this for quite some time. You can download it right here. It's going to be the same exact verbiage. It's just obviously on Representative Kitzman's letterhead. I can tell you as of right now, I believe we're up to about seven or eight um, other state legislators that have signed on to it. I have been out there not just fighting for legislation, but trying, uh, walking into offices, Democrats and Republicans alike. Um, I even went into my personal, uh, my, my representative, which is Representative Rujani. Um, he is a, a, a Democrat. Ideologically, we're not going to agree on a lot of things, but I met him face to face. Uh, he was cordial enough to, to, to speak with me. Um, and I asked him to sign on to this to show Texans, um, you know, if you really care about stopping the exploitation of children here in our state, this is one thing that we can unite behind, right, is to ask for the launch of this investigation. Um, and so that that's what we're doing, um, because I, as a regular citizen, uh, those of you guys who are listening right now, you as a regular citizen, we do not have the, quote, right to ask for such a launch of an investigation, but our state legislators can. So thank you to Representative Kitzman. So the call to action, like Aaron said, give me five minutes of your time. Send an email to your state senator and your state le your state representative, Democrat or Republican. This doesn't matter. This is not a, a partisan issue. This is an exactly. evil it, good versus evil issue. Okay. Send them this podcast uh, afterwards. This is, this, um, is going to be up this broadcast, of course, on our social media. You can also find it on the Substack. The podcast version, audio version will be up on there. Send that link to your state representatives. Uh, say, hey, we, we want you to listen to this. And then we want you to sign on to this letter from Representative Stan Kitzman's office showing support. Uh, representative or senator, they can all sign on to it. We want as much information or as much signatures and support as possible. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to hopefully even do a press release when this before this uh, letter is is officially sent off um, to raise awareness that this is happening right here in our state. Uh, and so again, and then to, to those who are working inside of the schools, right? If you're a teacher or if you're an administrator inside of the schools, you deal with these children coming in because if you're unaccompanied minors, uh, the vast majority of them are going to be school age type children, right? You would think, uh, yeah. like Aaron and Tara said, that if you're coming in here and you see things suspicious, right? If you're law enforcement, DPD, shout out to DPD, Dallas PD and Fort, at Fort Worth Sheriff's Office and Fort, Fort Worth PD. We have a task force here, a trafficking task force uh, that I get to go to whenever I'm in town. Um, Anti-sex trafficking task force here in Tarrant County. Raise those alarms if you're an insider. Um, look, ask for those questions like Aaron said. You know, we have the sheriff in, in the county is the 
most strongest has the most constitutional authority on the county level. Uh, there are things that we can do. Signing onto this letter, give me five minutes of your time. Like Aaron said, time, time. Give me five minutes of your time. If you don't know who your state representative is, go straight on there. You can click here and it says who represents me on securetheborder.us, uh, the take action tab. You can click there, enter in your zip code and get those numbers or their emails or send a, a PM me, send me a private message, or um, you can email me uh, at securetheborder.us. You can send me an email and say, hey, Sheena, I need help finding out who my state legislator is. And then don't stop there. Contact our state senators. Um, let them know, or, I'm sorry, our congressional senators. Contact your uh, representative. Like, let, raise the alarm. Yes. Tell people, share this podcast, share, like, like, and share, like, and share, right? We're, we're not just saying that just because it makes me feel good. I know I feel good already by being connected uh, to people like this and trying to raise the alarm. I've been fighting out there in the state Capitol. I wear my sneakers are worn out. I need new sneakers now because our Capitol's mm -hmm. huge. I'm going into the belly of the beast, mm -hmm. uh, you know, talking and, and, and pleading with these people because it's hard. Like Aaron said, um, when you know it, and you see it firsthand and it becomes personal. I know what I know. I, see, I, I know what I see and I'm not going to stop until I can look at my children in the eyes and say, I did absolutely everything I humanly could. Five minutes. That's all I'm asking for. Five minutes to encourage them to sign on to this letter. And uh, Aaron, you had said something Um during the last drop as well. Uh, and you said it when we did our Twitter space, we were all doing a Twitter space uh, not too long ago. Um, you feel encouraged. And I know right now, uh, a lot of and people are like, what do you mean? Because I've said the same thing. Um, people ask me, Sheena, I know that, you know, you're down there um, and you're fighting, you're doing all this stuff that, that, that you must get discouraged, you must get down. And I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of times where I'm coming home uh, and it, it's utter silence. There's a lot of times where I've been up at night and I can't sleep because so many things are going through my head. But um, in the end, I know God wins. Uh, but you had said during the last drop and, and during the Twitter space that like you're encouraged in, in a sense. And can you tell people why you're in, you're encouraged, what's your hope, what you're encouraged by as we close out? And there's a billion things you can encourage about um, because there's a, a lot of people. And if you choose to do it, You'd be surprised like just how fast things can be done. And I, it's, it's not a judgment thing, by the way. And I'm not sitting here like high and mighty thinking I'm better than people. You know, people have lives. And sometimes I've, I've asked people, a lot of people actually, like, you know, what prevents you from doing stuff? And the most, the biggest answer is like, you know, I don't know what to do. So you already got the answer. Right? Sheena, good job mm -hmm. on that one. Thank you. But, you know, it, it doesn't take much to get involved in doing things. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a simple thing. People get pissed once they know about it. Go through your emotions. We Tara and I have already done it. We've we've cried our tears. And oh then yes. Take take your steps. But can I can I do say one more thing? By the way, too, this is the important part. Um, Please. Not that anything we said wasn't important, but this is a different thing. Is that you know for nine months, Tara, the investigator that worked with Tara, you know, she, the, the work that she had to do, that person, I can't even imagine it. And like the investigator or the journalist I worked with as well. What they had to go through to do this, these stories and like kind of get this information out there. We don't, we're not here right now talking about this, fighting it without them doing their job. And I just seen a lot of people online saying bad things about like all of the, you know, Project Veritas people and the employees and everything. And I can't tell you guys how, how hard it has been on just me sitting at a computer learning about this program. And 
learning the stats and going through this stuff, let alone actually walking and coming across these kids like you have, Sheena. So mm -hmm. just from the bottom of my heart, I really am thankful for everyone that has done work on this stuff because it's not just the people on camera. It's also the, the, the faceless, nameless people off of it that are behind the scenes doing a lot of these work. And yes. my, my prayers are for you guys too. They're for the kids yes. as well, but it's like, you know, this is not something to, to fight about or to do whatever about. This is a very simple thing. We have to be involved in stopping this. You know, yes. in the end, God judges us. And I, I hope he looks at me and says, you know, whatever I've done is good, but that's, that's that. Yeah. Tara. And I was just going to say one voice does make a difference. It does make a difference. And if you're listening to this, you're listening to this for a reason. And I, it is my, my absolute hope and prayer that you would uh, take action for these children. You can be their voice right now. There are children in crisis and they need someone to come rescue them. And the only way that's gonna happen is if we all begin to get involved. I did not intend to be the voice for unaccompanied children. I had no idea children were being trafficked through this program. Uh, my husband and I together have cried lots of tears over this. This has been a, a horrible um, it, thing to understand that our government is involved in something I've given my whole life to my career to sit back and say, how could another federal employee do knowing this, do this, but you can make a difference. So thank you, Sheena. And obviously thanks to Aaron. And I just, you know, want to say if, uh, um, if you have extra dollars to donate to, to Alliance for safe Texas, or to Aaron's Give, Send, Go. Aaron, is it uh, Give, Send, Go uh, DHS whistleblower? I know you're not going to ask. And Aaron, I would like, I would like to, I'm, I, if you could send that to me, Aaron, as well. So this way, because we'll air this pod, this podcast will air live. And I'm going to make sure that though, that, that uh, link is in, um, in, in the comment section as well. Yeah, so I, if you wouldn't mind. I don't know the URL. I don't know. I'll define yeah, it for I, you, but. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know Aaron's not going to ask for himself, but I would definitely, <laughs> you know, if you can, uh, you know, you never know. God gives everybody different resources. If yours is financial, support these two, because what they're doing is really, is really amazing. So anyway, thanks. And, and on, the, on, time. on that note, Tara, where can people follow you and support you as well? Where can they follow you? I don't need any financial support. I still have my federal job because my agency, when HHS, you know, kicked me off the site and took my badge, my agency was like, we're going to send agents to get you if you need. So my agency took me back. They're like, what's going on with these crazy people at HHS? So I still have my federal job. So uh, for now, I mean, we'll see. I'm not going to stop talking about this, but my Twitter handle is just at Tara Lee Rodas. That's me. So, and I, I intend to be in this fight until children are longer being trafficked through this program. There's transparency and there are controls. So, but please financially support these two. And Aaron, yeah, and if, where can people find you? That's my Twitter handle called out DHS. And, you know, I don't have like a bunch of followers. So if you're, oh, I got pushed back from somebody, tag me somewhere. I will jump in and talk with you. It, it, Sheena knows I go into Twitter spaces to talk about these things. So, you know, I'm, I'm very active in these things, but I will not do it at a establishment level. The, the change is us. Like it's down here. This is where it actually happens at. So, and by the way, also, because 
if no one's ever met Terra before, you I've, I keep saying this, you jump back and forth between like, am I talking to a hero or am I talking to an angel? She's probably one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. Like she's amazing. So she knows, beautiful inside well. and out. Really, that this was the first time that I got to speak with well with both of you guys. But when Tara got on the screen as we were getting ready for this, um, I was just like, "Gosh, this is like this is a very humbling moment um, for a small stay-at-home mom with that's just hype hyped up and a lot of caffeine on a mission <laughs> that I get to speak with." Um, true heroes and someone like like Tara that is just beautiful inside and out. Aaron, you're beautiful too. We're not going to be, you. <laughs> but you, you, but both no, of you but guys are are just amazing, home. godly but people. Thank you. Stay stay at home, moms. That that's the that's the strongest soldier in this fight. I'm telling you, it's the yeah. women that care the most. Like that's going to be the ones. So, yeah. Thank you all. Yeah. Well, I. I appreciate you guys so much. And guys, um, also, in addition to hopefully financially supporting Aaron and, and following and, and sharing their stories, uh, Tara and Aaron's stories, um, when they came forward with the information and sharing this podcast, uh, please pray for them. Um, yeah. Keep them in your prayers. That, that That is also one of the biggest things. And just pray um, over all of this. If we're going to survive any of this, uh, we have to go back to state sovereignty you now know the issue, and now you also have a direct action item. Securetheborder.us, securetheborder.us, go to the Take Action tab, uh, and then please find us on uh, the Substack. That's where you're going to get your action items. Uh, you can sign up. I do have it for free there as well. You do not have to pay. If you're able to help financially by setting up, like a, I think I have it set for like $6 a month or something, um, you you can do that, but absolutely everything uh, that I post, including the action items, are, are free because this is important to get this information. So um, follow everybody on social media, securetheborder.us, take action, no excuses. You know what's, you know what's wrong. Now do something about it. Five minutes of your time. That's all we're asking for. So uh, thank you, Tara. Thank you, Aaron. God bless you. I pray for a hedge of protection and blessings around you guys and your families. Um, I, I, I am just so humbled by you guys. Thank you for your sacrifice, a continued sacrifice. So thank you guys so very much. And thank, thank you, you, Sheena. All. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and close on out. Everybody, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I hope uh, God bless. And let's continue to do all that we can to stay active, engaged, and involved and secure our border and save our sweet Texas. God bless and have a great night.